Our association puts out a quarterly magazine called the UU World, and if you are a member of this church and don't receive it, we need to know that um, so that we can try to direct copies your way. Um, And this current issue, the winter of 2012, because they haven't sent one for 13 yet, um, an article by Frederick J. Muir titled The End of the I-Church, Little I, you know, I church, um, appeared. I got to hear Reverend Dr. Muir at ministry days at General Assembly this past summer in Phoenix. Um, he did what's called the Berry Street Lecture for uh, the ministers from all over the country, and it was it had the same title. There are different subtitles on the cover of the magazine, under the article in the magazine, and when he gave the lecture at Berry Street, but all of them were called The End of the I Church. Um, He spoke of how many of us, including himself, have along the way been quite fired up by Emersonian-like ideas of individualism. You know, Emerson saying, you must be a nonconformist. Go where there is no path and leave a trail. Um, Trust thyself, every heart vibrates to this iron string. No law can be sacred to me but that of my own nature. Muir pointed out how some say the I in iPad, iPod, iPhone stands for Internet, but others say, no, it stands for individual. And Apple exploited the theme of individualism with commercials like this one that went, here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules. They have no respect for the status quo. They push the human race forward. Well, I think a lot of us identified with that for a long time. That was a growing edge. The movement on this planet, the healing of this planet, depends on our growing past, our individuality. doesn't mean we can't be individuals. It doesn't mean that we can't value individualism. It means that we can't worship it. It means that we can't put it primary to caring for the world around us because this world needs our love. Let me quote Muir here for just a second. For all its appeal and its influence in American culture, individualism is not sustaining. Individualism will not serve the greater good 
a principle to which we Unitarian Universalists have also committed ourselves. There's little to nothing about the ideology and theology of individualism that encourages people to work and live together to create and support institutions that serve common aspirations and beloved principles. We're being held back and stymied, really. We are being held captive by a persistent, persuasive, disturbing, and disruptive commitment to individualism that misguides our ability to engage the changing times. We cling to a Unitarian Universalist exceptionalism that is often insulting to others and undermines our own good news. But Reverend Muir didn't stop there. He pointed out that part of our tradition is covenant. We are a covenantal tradition. For our association of congregations, the covenant is to stand in mutual trust and support. The seven principles that we hold up and organize around begin, we covenant to affirm and promote. Through a covenant of right relations that we develop together, we commit to treat one another respectfully. Muir added, if individualism led us to the I church, then covenant can shape the beloved community. Where the promise of individuality and justice inspire, empower, broaden, and deepen all, not just self. Beloved community was popularized by the Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr. The phrase was authored by Josiah Royce, an American philosopher who just happened to live, be born where I used to live in California in Grass Valley. I thought that was kind of cool when I found it out. Um, maybe he's right. And covenant can bring us back. But I see that it must be a covenant built on love. Like our unison affirmation, love is the doctrine of this church. The one thing we as human beings need most is love. That feeling of recognition and appreciation for exactly who we are, as we are, to feel seen. Have you ever had that experience of talking with someone or being with someone and, and, you, and you look in their eyes and you feel absolutely seen all the way to the depths of your soul? Have you ever felt that? It's an incredible gift. At the in Florida, um, I, I went to a, a, an educational conference for ministers um, just a couple of weeks ago, 
And there was a man who was not from our tradition. He was a senior pastor emeritus from Riverside Church in New York City. His name is James Forbes. And Reverend Dr. Forbes gave an incredible worship service. He was a soft-spoken man, gentle-mannered. He felt kind. But after the, after the service, I really wanted to go and thank him for the, for the message that he brought because he was painting a picture of how Unitarian Universalism could actually seed and, and bring to, to fruition or at least initiate the next Great Awakening in America, which is really kind of ironic because the Great Awakenings were Christian movements. But he was talking about how we have the peace that's the potential for the beginning of the next one. I went to thank him. You know, there, there were people talking to him for a while, and I waited, I waited a little while, and the line went down, and I, and I walked up to him, and being very sincere, I thanked him for the incredible gift that he had given us. But in that instant, I felt really listened to, truly seen, absolutely appreciated, Probably if I had stood there and talked, he would have let me. But I I moved on. I don't know what kind of personal development it takes to be able to give that experience to people. I know I fall pathetically short. But I know that it's something worth trying to become better at. If when we're listening to each other, we put aside thinking about what we're going to say next or, or even put aside what our responses are to what we're hearing people say. If we try not, if, if we try to be open enough not to have those guards there that we wear around each other. When we're talking, people can feel the difference. And if somehow we can foster that kind of a community here, make it safe for us to be that open and attentive to each other, honor the amount of time that someone is giving us so that even if we're alone and hurting we don't just go on and on and on and on and on, but, but try to be respectful about people's time so that if they give us their undivided, unconditional attention, we honor that by acknowledging they're giving us a gift and not just try to drain them. Hmm? It can be hard to stop. If someone is truly listening to us, it can be hard to stop ourselves.
Because there's so much that we carry. But as we become better listeners, we have more of that stuff fall away. We don't need to talk as much. And we can listen better. I don't think anyone should push themselves past where they know how to be. I don't mean that exactly. What I'm trying to say is if you have, if you have some places that are very fragile, you need to be discerning about where you open them. That's all I meant by that. Because I absolutely think we do need to push ourselves past what we know how to do. As a matter of fact, if I want to slow down my mental deterioration, I've been told I need to do something new every day. Doing new stuff is hard. That's pushing ourselves beyond what we know. So, think we can do that? If as a community we can become intentional about cultivating that skill, about cultivating that gift to each other, Can you imagine the difference it will make? Whether it's the love in 1 Corinthians 13 or the beloved community of Dr. King and Josiah Royce, whether it's the honoring of the Celtics, whether it's wishing beloved community on other people, being filled with loving kindness like the Buddhists would tell us, and trying to project that. No, being with that and in that and letting that come through us. I believe as has been said for the last two centuries. We can be the religion for our time and the future.